Hi, so I'm uh, I'm John, obviously, and Nick's here with me tonight, and uh, we've been having a little argument in the background about press and play tonight. Um, what ends up happening invariably is we sit around. Well, we don't sit around. That's not fair. We when we're driving around doing work, or when we're sitting at the dinner table, or cooking dinner, or whatever it is that we're doing, we're just kind of you know talking about our day and talking about things of our day and things that were good in the day and things that pissed us off in the day. And what happens is we end up having some stuff that would be really good conversation for this, for, for people that are listening to, to know and to hear it. When Nick and I end up talking, it ends up kind of just being like our inner monologues, having a discussion. It's, it's kind of weird. But, um, anyways, I don't know where I was going with that. Sorry. Um, but anyways, why we were arguing here at the beginning was because we end up having these inner monologues with each other, except out loud. And that's the stuff that we should be recording. Um, and we, we, we actually say like, Hey, we should record this or we should go record. And then it always ends up, you know, life gets in the way or, or whatever. And, it, and it's, and these aren't exactly easy. They're, they're exhausting and we're definitely exhausted right now. So we were arguing about what we should talk about and whether we should write it down or not script it, but have talking points and, Basically, I just hit record. So here we are. So just, I guess, maybe give a little bit of a recap um, of the last couple weeks for us. So any of you following along, um, you, you know that we went to Georgia to see some new friends of ours that we've met through the Rachel's Gift um, charity that we have um our group meetings with, with other grieving and bereaved parents. So we went to Georgia a couple weeks ago and it was scary. Um, we were scared to go and meet them. And, you know, you obviously know what we're going for. So you know what conversations are going to come up. But it ended up being very, God, and I hate this word, normal. Um, it was good, good easy, effortless. Um, you know, we talked about it amongst ourselves, just Nick and I, and I said, well, you know, worst case, um, we'd never been to Atlanta, really. Nick had stayed in North Atlanta one night as a kid in, like, 91 and I drove through there with my mom going to Disney World in like 90. <laughs> Otherwise, we've never been to Georgia. So we figured, worst case, we fly to Atlanta and we meet them for dinner and it, we don't hit it off. And it's awful and horrifying. And they don't want to talk about their daughter. And we don't want to talk about Leah. And nothing else. We'll spend three days farting around Atlanta and the Northeast part of Georgia and the mountains and it'll be good. But that wasn't what the trip turned out to be. Um, it was a immediately effortless friendship to people that we now consider to be family. And it's just that simple. Um, the first night we were together, um, we, we had an Airbnb kind of on the northeast side of town, and they came back to our place. We ordered out some, or we, we did some pickup um, local barbecue, and they came back, and the next thing you know, it was 3 in the morning. So they went home for a few hours. We got together again about 9 o'clock Saturday morning, and next thing you know, it's 4 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. <laughs> Then they go home for a few hours and we get back together again about 10 a.m. And all of a sudden it's 7 a.m. Monday morning and we have a flight that night. 
Um, they had had a work Monday and didn't take the day off, which is absolutely, totally cool that they didn't, um, you know, like we didn't know whether we were just, again, just going to get dinner Friday night and call it a weekend. But Nick and I did what Nick and I do. And we just kind of picked a direction and, and ended up going around. Um, I'm probably going to say it wrong. I think it's Lake Lanier. That's how you say it. Lake Lanier and the Chattahoochee river and, um, in and out of some winding roads and some little canyons and went to the dam and, um, found a nice lake. And then there was goats and there was bees and birds and, and just had a, yeah, wildflowers, lots of wildflowers. Everything was in bloom. And we just had a, we just had an afternoon and then we, um, we linked back up with them for a couple more hours. And we held it to the nitty gritty till we had to leave and try to get through downtown Atlanta to get to the airport. And um, we had a board at 720 and we got to the gate at 709 and I texted them and told them that I was sorry that I wasted 11 minutes of our trip. That's, that's how good of a trip it was. And we've talked to them several times since we got back and Almost every day. Oh, it, we text every day. Yeah. Um, but the feeling's mutual. They now have, they have new family too. Um, but part of the reason we, you know, we talk about this, this podcast and that we've decided we want to call it a conversation. And it's, and it's always going to be centered around Leah and our loss of her and one, two, three, four's loss of her. And that's where it's centered. But since we started this, it's, it's turned into something else. It's turned into a voice for other people in our group. It's allowed other people to share this with their family or their friends or their coworkers. And but with that said, I, we are not speaking for anyone. We speak for ourselves. This is what we're experiencing after losing our daughter. We are not out here trying to be the poster children for bereaved parents. I I don't want to be out here saying, you know, this is how everybody feels. This is what everybody thinks that's been through this because I can't speak for you. I, we're just here rambling. We treat this kind of like our own personal journal, I guess. It's easier for me to imagine no one's listening. But in the feedback that we've heard, people are listening. So if something we say doesn't hit right for you, that's okay. You have a voice that you can speak up and say, no, that isn't right for me, or I don't actually think that, or whatever it is. Don't let us take your voice from you. We're just out here trying to put feelings into words, and that's hard, as any of us that have gone through this know. that This is bigger than words. The English language fails miserably at trying to describe indescribable things. So don't let us put words in your mouth. Don't let us stand in front of you and speak for you. Just listen to us. And if it's not right for you, say your truth, whatever it is, because that's what's real and what's right for you. Yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't want to tell anybody's story. It's not that. And, and we don't, and, and Nick's right, we're not trying to speak for anyone. It's, it's just when you, you sit in these Zoom calls and you see heads nodding and you see thumbs up and people waving and when you're talking, people are crying and when other people are talking, we're crying and, and we're nodding and, and you realize that there's this whole big... <laughs> ugly boat and we're all in it and some of us are paddling along and 
and trying to stay upright and other people are hoping that the sucker flips over and they all go down with shit. And it's, um, and sometimes that viewpoint changes hourly. Minutely. That's something that I'm not speaking to anyone directly and I'm not going to name names, but that's something that a few of you haven't been able to grasp. And I, it's not imperative. It doesn't matter to you. This is our lived experience. But if you are trying to listen to this because you're trying to understand what this is from our viewpoint, that's the main idea. Right now doesn't feel like an hour ago. It won't feel like it will in 20 minutes. It changes on, yeah, on an almost minute by minute basis. And yes, it does get really, really dark. Imagine the darkest thoughts you've ever had and times that by a thousand because that's where we live. Yeah, times, so times. For me, it's sorry. when you're saying things like, maybe tomorrow will be better. Why in the fuck would tomorrow be better? Better is a word that is becoming meaningless where we live. So I get what you're trying to say. I, I appreciate the sentiment. But those kind of things are hurtful. And, and in no way am I going to confront you. Am I going to call you out? Am I anything? Just understand when there's silence that meets that, there's a reason why. Tomorrow will not be better. Next year will not be better. 40 years from now will not be better. We just get stronger. We just are better able to carry this. Nothing will be better. Seeing things like, well, like this weekend is gonna be Mother's Day. Are you gonna have all the kids together? No. no, we'll never have all our kids together in one place on this earth ever again. The last time we had all of our kids together was November 5th, 2020 at 1.02 p.m. At 1.03 p.m. on that day, one of us left forever and we will not have all of our kids anywhere together in one place ever again. I understand what you're saying, but please think before you say it. When people ask, how many kids do you have? It seems like an offhanded question. It's just small talk, things people ask you. You have no idea when you're meeting someone, what that might mean. Maybe they have an angel baby. Do they count them? How do they explain that to you, someone they don't know? Have they had miscarriages? Have they been trying to have kids for the last 15, 17, 20 years? We don't intend hurt but sometimes hurt is what happens. So when you are met with silence or an awkward moment, don't fill it. Give them a space to think how they want to respond to you. This might be someone you don't know. This might be a coworker. This might be someone you've known your whole life, but you do not know everything. You can't know everything. We have told you a lot in this podcast. But you need to know that you don't know everything. We hold some of these details back for us because you have no right to everything. We have the right to hold something back that's only for us. So when you are met with silence, don't fill it. Don't offer advice. Don't counsel. There's no guidance to be given. 
Silence is all I ask of you, and I know it's the hardest thing to ask for. We, as an American culture, we don't like awkward silence. We feel like we have to fill it with chatter. We feel like we're here to help. You're not, and you're not helping. And you're not trying to hurt, and I get that, and I'm not trying to call anybody out. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just asking you, please just stop talking. Yeah, we can, I'll speak for pretty much everybody that we know that are in these groups. When they call you to talk, or if they respond to a voicemail from you, or they respond to a text message from you, I will guarantee you that they are not fucking looking for advice. If they are fucking looking for advice, they will say something along the lines of, well, what do you think? Can you help me? Or, yeah, have you ever dealt with this? Or, yeah, Nick says, can you, can you help me with this? Um, we definitely, absolutely, positively, are not fucking looking for advice. Honestly, you don't have to speak, ever, the whole time. Um, and I know that probably sounds mean. And it sounds blunt, but you don't. I have one person in particular who I call my aunt. You know who you are. You probably don't say 20 words when I'm on the phone with you. That hour a day, once a week that I talk to you is a second most comforting hour per week that I have. The Rachel's Gift Group is the most comforting. And the hour I spend on the phone with you is second. Because I'm not looking for fucking advice and you don't offer it. You ask an occasional question for clarity. And you always preface that you would like to ask me a question before you ask the question. I know not everybody's the same. And I know every one of you that are listening to this have different relationships with us or different relationships with the person that forwarded this to you or different relationships with nobody and you happen to stumble across this. But I can guarantee you, again, if you're talking to somebody about the subject of their dead child, they are not looking for fucking advice. So I'm gonna give you a few seconds of silence, which I know is uncomfortable, and you're going to hear something like this if you offer advice. And then you'll probably hear a click if it was me. I'm just going to go because I don't want to break you down. And not only that, I don't want to break me down. I don't have the mental capacity to tear myself to fucking pieces every damn day. We make a decision every day when we wake up. Am I going to get up today? And, and then I make a decision about what pants I'm going to wear, and what boots I'm going to wear, and what job we're going to go to. And do I need to get gas? Did I get ice? Did I get this? Did I do that? Do you have any idea how many decisions somebody makes in a day? Let me think about your day. Just take a minute and think about it. How many decisions do you make a day? 200? 300? And they're all, and most of them are small, inconsequential decisions. When you have somebody like Nick and I, or other people in this group that have this constant, never ending siren of a fucking loop, <laughs> the energy that it takes to make a decision is mind boggling. You should see us when it comes time to try and figure out what we're going to eat for lunch. We eat an awful lot of fucking Chick-fil-A. Because it's easy. It's easy. We know what we like, and there's a lot of them in town, and we don't have to think about it. I wear, thank God I work for a company that has, I mean, it's our company, but we have uniforms. Saturdays suck. I don't know what to wear. I stand in my closet for, not hours, but I'm a dude. Like, I should just grab a pair of jeans and a t-shirt 
and I stand there for, I don't, it takes me an hour some Saturdays to try to get dressed, to just throw on a pair of jeans and t-shirt and, and a pair of shoes. This is all to say you can't fathom a day in the life of a bereaved mom and dad. You can't understand the level of exhaustion that we operate at on a daily basis. When you don't sleep, you're physically drained. When you are constantly constantly confronted with your loss. Not that Leah is ever out of our thoughts. She's never, ever not in every single thought and every single breath that we have. But when you go to the hobby store and you turn a corner and there's a woman there with her brand new, maybe two week old baby, Somebody said it's like being ambushed, and that's exactly what it feels like. Not that you begrudge that mom or wish anything bad for her. You don't. Of course you don't. You just wish, can I have just one day, one hour that this isn't shoved right under my nose? It's constant. When you can't have a conversation with a random person, without some stupid comment being made. When the world literally does not feel safe, and that's not physically, we all worry about those neighborhoods or those places that we don't go. When the world doesn't feel safe emotionally, it is exhausting when you are constantly on guard, when you are constantly waiting for the next ambush, it is more than enough to deal with just the loss, the pain that never, ever relents, not even in sleep, when you do sleep. But when you can't trust the world or the people in it to keep you safe, what the hell else do you have? It's from the people that we've talked to, anger is almost universal. There are a lot of us that feel like just walking in somewhere that you're, you're tense and you're literally ready to spring. You're waiting for the fight. You're waiting for a confrontation. You're waiting for something to come at you that you're going to have to use that fight or flight reflex all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It does not matter where you are. It does not matter what you're doing. You do not get a reprieve ever. Imagine that. So we've talked for a long time about PTSD, how that for a long time was only applied to servicemen and women. Well, I'm here to tell you that it, it applies to us. We had a counselor in one of our groups read through the list of symptoms that define PTSD. We all have every single one of them. Our war zone is a lot different because it's the whole world. It's our own homes. It's the pictures. It's the couch. It's the door that's shut to a bedroom that you can't walk into. It doesn't end and there's nowhere to get away from it. Yeah, let me, let me say something here because I know this has been pretty dark and there's some people that are listening that just, that are, you're probably on the edge of hurt. And I'm not trying, we're not, I'm not, Nick's not, we're not trying to hurt anyone. We want you all to know that we love you all dearly. And we appreciate you all. Any contact that we have with anyone, which we know has been limited because we don't feel safe in a lot of circumstances, but 
the contacts that we do have, when we reach out and you reach back, we are so appreciative of that. This isn't meant to hurt. This isn't meant to confront. This isn't anything. It's just letting you know what it's like, as much as I can tell you, to live behind our eyes. And you, and you can't, you can't fix this for us. You can't make it better. And we know that you would if you could. We just, we want you to know that we care about you all. And we, and we're glad that you're all there and you're ready and you're waiting for us. Um, but again, just, just know that we're not, we're not looking for advice because you can't give us any, you can't fix it. You can't make it better. You can't bring Leah back. You can't, you can't do anything that makes it better. You just can't. But like Nick was saying, we're just, you're constantly like on edge and on this just edge of anger. I, I got it in our, we have a text with our friends there in Georgia and I got a text from tonight that said, I went to Texas Roadhouse a few days ago to pick up food. Everything was cordial and fine, but my anger irritation at the situation in general and Mother's Day and COVID and all of it, I realized later that I fully expected to lose it on someone and fight or yell or put someone in their place. So that's just walking around in an everyday occurrence to go to get takeout. And in the back of your head, you, you feel like this wounded dog in the corner that's just ready to bite all the time. And then, and then I got another one from them that said, I literally just death, death stared or death glared at, I want to say their name, but I death glared at my partner today at the farmer's market after I saw a heavily pregnant woman without a mask eating fucking grapes out of the bag that she didn't fucking purchase. I mean, one, that is so fucking unsafe, and two, it's stealing. It took everything in me to not be like, what the fuck, you dumb bitch, hold still while I bitch slap some shit out of you. Like, that's where we're at. The, the woman in in Hobby Lobby the other day. She's just out on a fucking Tuesday in Hobby Lobby. But Nick and I see a two-week-old baby rolling around in a stroller in the middle of a fucking pandemic in a red state with a bunch of dipshits. And it's, I want to be like, what the fuck are you doing? But just the sight of her was enough to almost put us on the floor. Like, you can't say nothing. You just freeze. And it's, but I, I was so incredibly happy for her and so fucking angry at the same time. It, it just, uh, we, we've, we've talked before that it's ups and downs and inside out and everything's upside down. And that's really what it is. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no normal reaction anymore. Like we, we don't trust, I've said before, I don't trust my mind. I don't trust anything. No. I I feel like a vet that's came home from war that you hear about that can't drive down the street anymore because seeing a plastic bag blow down the street freaks them out and they're afraid it's a bomb. That's where we're at. I'm like, my eyes dart all day. I just panic and I'm, and you're constantly looking behind you because you, you don't want to have somebody walk up on you that's pregnant. Somebody walk up on you with a baby in a stroller and, and you don't, you don't want to sit next to somebody at the light with their toddler in the back seat that's not fucking buckled. And it just, and some asshole eating fucking unwashed grapes. It just. It's, yeah. Fuck. It's impossible it's, to understand because you haven't lived it. And if you have, you know exactly what we're talking about. We talk about triggers all the time. You used to hear kids before Leah say, oh my God, I'm so triggered right now. And I thought, okay, that must be the buzzword. Until I've learned what that means. Triggers can be, <laughs> can be that pregnant woman or that stroller. It can be a stupid frozen dinner in my freezer. That, we're, ne be, that we're never going to eat. 
but, but we'll we can't throw fucking throw away. away. It can be a smell. It can be a song. God, the radios. Between the radio and TV, it's... I watch 80s movies on Netflix and Hulu all day long and all night long when I'm not working because I know they're safe. I know them. There's no surprise pregnancy. There's no baby. There, There's no shitty parent. It, it's... Sorry, cut Nick off. I'm, we're both on a rant tonight. Um, yeah, but... If you've never had a panic attack or seen someone having a legitimate anxiety attack, you can't know how much we fear a trigger. When you can't necessarily identify your triggers, you are constantly vigilant, waiting for something, somewhere, from someone or something to start it. For some people, an anxiety attack, they fear that they're going to die. It's not me. And I think everybody's are different. I hyperventilate. I cry. I can't sit still. I'm frantic, and my only thought is run, run away, not to anywhere specific, but away from here, wherever here is. Sometimes it's in a moving vehicle. A lot of times it's in a moving vehicle. I'll give you a clue with me. When we see each other again, if you see me sitting there and I start to rub my hands together, Feel free to show me the outside because I'm about ready to go Kool-Aid man through your fucking wall. That's, I, I have a very obvious tick when I start to have a problem. I start rubbing my hands together and I, you guys know me, I've ever done that. Just sit and rub my hands together to the point that it sounds like it's fucking sandpaper. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's exhausting. But we've had some good lately too, and I want to touch on that. We've had some good. The trip was good. Georgia was great. So here's the thing. When we say good. It's relative. The best we ever get is bittersweet. There is no absolute good of anything. There is no joy in anything. So good for us isn't the same as a good for you. That is something that needs to be respected because we don't have good days. We have okay days. And you'll hear us when we all are together in a group of people who share this collective loss, and we call it that. We each lost individual babies, but we have a collective experience. When we talk about the good, quote unquote, good days, we call them okay days. Those are not days that we don't cry because there aren't any of those. Those are not good. They're not good in that we didn't think about our baby today. That doesn't happen. It means something catastrophic didn't happen today. It means I was able to get through the things that I had to do today. Not necessarily got to the things I need to do or the things I want to do, but got through the have to's. So when you hear us talk about good, hear okay. Yeah, and, and it's not like our life is completely without happiness. When when we were in Georgia, for example, we we talked and laughed and told old stories and ate amazing food. Yeah, ate great food and had had wonderful conversation. And 
and you, you weave in and out of the ugly and the sad and the morose. But, but there's, there is happiness. It's, it's just fleeting. It doesn't have the same lasting impact that it used to have. It doesn't... You will never be around a group of people that can be talking about suicide attempts and in the same minute be talking about an amazing Korean bakery and laughing about it. Yeah, like, then... like in line doing this. Yes. Very typical topic. You won't ever hear a conversation that will make you comfortable if you do not understand this experience. Because we can go from laughing to sobbing, hysterical. We can go from holding each other and holding hands and just clinging to each other to joking about any number of stupid things. It's not, we don't have normal conversations because we don't have normal relationships because we are not normal. This is not a normal experience. This is not an occasional experience. This is not rare. We're finding more and more and more people. This isn't, we are not the outliers, but we are kept contained, we are kept away because this is ugly things to talk about. But we went on this trip, we met these people that after knowing them for three and a half days, when we left for the final time to go home, we said, love ya. I've never said that to someone I've known for three days, let alone said it to someone I've known three days and meant it. But we do. You form a bond that is so much deeper than we graduated together or we knew each other when we played Little League. It's more than that. It's indescribable. When your souls recognize each other, when you sense the brokenness and you can support each other's weak spots, that forges a bond that cannot be described. It can only be revered. So that's what we're gonna do. It's an awkward, weird feeling, but so is everything else we experience. So if you're listening to this, understand you may form these bonds with people you don't really know, and that's okay. Lean into it. Let it be what it is. If you are looking at this from the outside, you're just trying to understand us. Don't be jealous of these relationships that we're making. Understand that I don't like the words trauma-bound because I think that's belittling and demeaning. But a trauma like this does recognize the trauma in others. You become much more sensitive to other people who are just as devastated and broken as you are. And that forges a bond through the weak parts. And if, um, if you happen to be listening to this and you don't know us, but somebody that you know shared this with you because they're going through this, if they happen to be alone, it's only that much harder. Nick and I, the only thing that we're fortunate in in all of this and we, we use the terminology in the group, is we've been together forever. Nick and I have seen some shit. It's always been us and the kids against the world. It's, it's not like we've had gone through life with no help. It's not that. But it's always just been us six. It's, and, and we were so looking forward to it being us seven. Um. But if, anyways, if somebody has shared this with you that is a single mother or 
the father that was not allowed the opportunity to be involved, but wanted to be. It just, it, I, we don't know how hard it is for them. We can only imagine how hard it is. But we sit in this group and there's, there's definitely people that are single in this group. And I'm watching us. You're not, I'm not watching us. How do I word that? We're falling apart, but you're watching the screen and you can see other people just dying on the screen. They're just, they're doing everything they can do to keep breathing. And I don't know what advice to offer anyone. I don't want to offer advice. I'm trying to offer our insight of it, I guess. But our friends in Georgia, they had, they needed, they wanted the meal train. They needed the meal train. That was super helpful for them. Mm -hmm. They had Uber Eats and DoorDash gift cards to last them four months on top of the fucking casseroles. Mm -hmm. So if any of your friends are listening, you guys, you guys did some shit. Um, the people that Veronica work with, you're awesome. They love you. They talk about you in this group all the time. They love you guys. You're, I can say Shane and Veronica's name. They did a three hour podcast last week, but you guys, I'll, I'll prop them up. You did amazing. Her Veronica's friends are awesome. The people in their trivia group are awesome. You guys are doing yeoman's work. But there's other people in our group that we know of, but a woman in particular in New York. She's alone. Utterly. Utterly alone. Doing this IVF alone. No family. No friends nearby. It, no one to understand. So if you are that friend, you don't have this experience... Just ask, what can I do? You might be met with a, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no advice. Just ask. But you can offer suggestions because I can tell you decisions are some days completely out of the realm of possibility. Offer, can I make you food? Can I clean your house can I just sit with you because chances are especially in those very early days they're not going to know what they want or need but if you can offer maybe they don't want the food we didn't maybe they don't want flowers maybe they don't want their house clean maybe they just want you to send an email to their supervisors at work and say, she's taken some time. Don't call, don't email. She'll be in touch. My guys, my guys for a month, the whole month of November told every customer, you call me, you call me. That was so beyond helpful. And I didn't know about it until months later that they were telling all the customers and all these contacts and supply houses, you call me, we'll deal with it. Supply houses, not charging, I mean, charging us, but not worrying about any collections until the first of the year. I didn't have to write any checks. I didn't have to worry about payment coming in the door. Things like that are, are immeasurably helpful to just lessen the decision and the daily burden of life. And speaking of my guys, I want to talk about them real quick here. So last weekend, our Compassionate Friends group held in their annual um, spring social. And, and they call it an ice cream social because we're not allowed to have balloon launches. But, but we also had ice cream. But we had ice cream. And Nick had fruit pops because... Nick's lactose intolerant. So. Yeah, and, and the leader of our group right now is awesome and knew that and specifically brought Nick popsicles and mm -hmm. something like that is again, immeasurably helpful. But so last Saturday we had the balloon launch and we made a balloon for Leah and Nick wrote a little note for her 
and we tied it to the balloon. And then we blew up three more balloons for our friends' babies. So we let Leah and Luca and Bash Maeve. and Maeve, sorry, I was choking, and Maeve um, go up in the air together, tied together as one. But, but in that, I had mentioned to my guys a couple weeks before that this thing was coming up and that you know, we don't have any true family in town that we're close to. We have family in town, but we're just not close. I'm, it is what it is. I'm not getting into that tonight. But I would mentioned to my guys that this was happening. And, and it was just like a, it wasn't a super long conversation. It was a 30-second passing conversation. Well, about 1.45 Saturday, all of a sudden they showed up. Two of my guys and his wife and his, so my guys are father-son, two of them are father-son, but then his wife and, and his daughter slash sister came and, and they were the first people that Nick has seen that weren't her mother or weren't in our group that we had any past prior relationship with. Um, and it really caught us off guard, but holy hell, it didn't mean a lot. It just, it meant so much. Um, you guys have been great. You, you're, you're family, you know that, but you guys have been great. And, uh, right now you're on vacation at the lake and I hope you have a good weekend. Um, but, um, but yeah, so it's not, I'm not trying to change the subject, but it's not, it's not always ugly. They're just, there's just always triggers. We, um, Nick and I have needed to redecorate the living room for a long time. And one of the things that really needs to get changed is a couch. But the couch is where we spent 90% of the time that we were awake with Leah. We were on that couch. We spent more time with her in bed, laying next to her and not exactly sleeping, but not exactly not just trying to be peaceful with her. But while we were downstairs and awake, we were on that couch and it's been it needs to get replaced. Um, we haven't done that yet, but but in that, we decided to get new living furniture. So yesterday, I took apart Leah's stand that has her ashes on it, of course, but, but also has all of her stuff, has her pictures and hospital bracelets and angels and hummingbirds and things that are hers. And I put them back together on the newsstand about an hour later. And it was okay. It I hated taking it apart. But then I got the opportunity to put it back together again on a stand that's really hers. The other stand was one that we moved shit off of and put her stuff on. But this one's hers. This is her stand with her stuff. And I don't know how we'll ever replace our living room furniture again now, but all right. I triggered her. So just hold tight, we're still here. I triggered her talking about the guy showing up on Saturday. It just really, really, really meant so much. Um, and it meant a lot to be able to share a little bit of Leah with, with Luca and Maeve and Bash. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to add tonight or did I break it? So, like we said, um, this weekend is Mother's Day, 
and for bereaved moms, our day was last Sunday. It's the first Sunday of May is bereaved Mother's Day. Most people don't know that's a thing. I wish it got as much ad time, but while it's nice that we have a day set aside for us that have lost our babies, please remember all of us on Mother's Day. It won't sound right to say, to say Happy Mother's Day to all of us that are missing our babies. But we're still moms. It's worse to say nothing. Remember that on Father's Day. You're still dads. I have four adult kids, but I'm a mother of five. For those of us that have lost a baby, it's hard to reconcile that. Am I really a mother? For the bereaved moms that lost their first babies, especially. They have a really hard time counting themselves as mothers. And I'm here to tell you, you are absolutely a mom. We parent in a different way, but we're still moms. So on Mother's Day, know that I see you and I honor you as the mom that you are. I hope that you have an okay day on Mother's Day. It's gonna be a hard day, but on that day, we'll all be thinking about the ones that made us moms. And they might be here, they might not. But the fact of the matter is we're all moms, whether you can see our babies or not. So please be respectful of that for all of us. For our, um, for our new friends in Florida, in Georgia, in Michigan, New York, California, Virginia, Portugal. Portugal. We love you. We do. And have, have an okay Sunday. Don't be, don't be any harder on yourself than you are on Saturday. Don't be any harder on yourself than you're going to be Monday. Just do what you need to do where you need to do it. If you want to be with family, do that. If you want to stay in your room with the curtain shut and the door shut, do that. If you want to hike out in nature, walk through that stream, do that. If you want to have a 12-hour Zoom call with us, do that. <laughs> so we have a lot of stuff going on, and it feels like your mind never stops moving 8,000 miles an hour in a million directions. We've got some stuff coming up in the next couple weeks. This Saturday in particular, the home study lady comes back and Nick and I have to do individual interviews for about an hour and a half apiece. And Nick and I haven't been apart an hour and a half in, in months. So think of us. Please don't text me and ask me about it. I'll, I'll text you. I promise I will. And um, 
I didn't mean to cut Nick off. We have some, we've got some really big decisions coming here in the next couple of weeks. Some really big steps. Today in our group, the question we got tasked with was, what do you need help with? And you can name a million things, but what they all come down to is fear. Every single one of them. So what we need help with right now, I don't know how you can help other than think about us, pray for us if that's what you do, understand or as much as you can where we are, recognize fear because that is for right now the overarching feeling we have that permeates everything. It colors every single decision. It is the color of our life right now. We have huge decisions to make, ones that we do not feel prepared to make, but the world is forcing us to make a decision now and not delay because we're out of time. There may or may not be more details on that later. I don't know. That's as much as I can give right now. If, if we decide to go forward, forward with one or both decisions, there'll be details. If we don't, there won't. Don't ask. So in that understanding that you're trying to have for us, that we appreciate so much you can't even know, recognize fear, understand that it is everywhere. So it is incumbent upon you to be a safe place for us. Whatever our relationship is with you, whatever your relationship will be with us, please be safe. I had a good friend, I'm gonna end it with this. I had a good friend tell me not that long ago. That if you put good out into the world, good will find you. And I think of that often. Because Nick and I try to be good people. We do. But we haven't had an awful lot of good find us lately. And we could sure use some. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't continue to put good out there. Maybe your good will find us. Maybe your good will find you. And that's great too, because it's not that we can't be happy for other people. It's just where we're sitting in the dark, sometimes literally. Happiness kind of looks like judgment sometimes. It's very... But we try not to let it be. Yeah, we don't want to judge. No. But happiness is going to be different from us. Celebration is not a word we're familiar with, but we're going to try. We are always trying. Don't discount us. Don't write us off like, well, they wouldn't be interested or they don't want to hear that or whatever. Just let us try because if we can't, we'll let you know that. And some of you... Some of you, we hope to see June 3rd, and there'll be some more information on that coming shortly as well. So that's it for tonight. We love you. We're going to go. One, two, three, and four. We didn't talk about you guys much tonight, but that's because you guys are squared away right now, and you're doing your thing, and you're, and you're making our lives easier, and we love you. And keep being you. You guys are amazing. But we're going to say goodnight. We're going to blow out Leah's candle for the evening until we relight it tomorrow. 
and we're going to call it a day. And as always, thanks for listening. And if you know somebody that needs this, share it.